How's it going, everyone? Welcome back to Roll On Gaming. And we have just gotten back from the Star Wars Unlimited Community Celebration event. It was awesome. Nothing to see here. Yeah, no, we, we, we weren't there. But that's okay because it was really cool getting to see all the stuff that came out of the SWU Community Celebration event. We're going to talk about it because there was a lot to talk about. The full set one Spark of Rebellion has been revealed. We're going to talk about that. We got some news on multiplayer. And we already have some set two news. So stay tuned for that. But first, let me welcome my co-host, my brother, Corwin. Corwin, what a weekend, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, going out the rest of the set three weeks in advance of launch. Um, getting some multiplayer rules, which I know a lot of folks have been clamoring for. And it, they certainly deliver in terms of uh, mixing up the way the game is played. So, um, yeah, exciting stuff and excited to get into it. Absolutely. And we'll, so what we're going to do here is we're going to talk about the cards that we saw. Uh, we're going to talk about the multiplayer. What we're not going to do is we're not going to talk too in-depth about the community event. I want to make sure that those creators that were there get a chance to lay it all out with from their experience. So if you if you know a creator, if you see somebody on social media that was there that is talking about their experience and showing off all the cool stuff they got to do, please go support them uh, because it was really awesome that they got a chance to do that. So we're just going to talk about the news, which is the fact that the full set one has now been spoiled. We know every card in set one, and we got some really cool cards over the weekend. But before we get to those, we're going to start with the cards that were revealed before the SWU community event, starting with Saw Guerrera. So Saw uh, was revealed on social media, just as some of the rest of these were uh, before the event. Saw is a ground unit that is four cost and double aggression. Uh, he is a 5-4 Rebel for 4, and as an additional cost for each opponent to play an event, they must deal 2 damage to their base. Now, this is a rare, and honestly, as a 5-4 double aspect unit, already I'm more impressed with this than General Krell. But where do you land on Saw Guerrero? Yeah, agreed. I think Saw looks really good at 4, love the 5 attack. And the upside with his ability, you know, you know me and my upside, Kevin. Like, this is definitely a card that is going to make things pretty difficult um, if, you're, if your opponent's trying to run events. So I, I think this is definitely a really, really good double aspect card for at four. Um, really high on Saw Guerrero. Yeah, I think this is one of the better double aspect units that we've seen. I think, you know, the best one to me is Cantina Bouncer. Uh, no surprise that Cunning has one of the best double aspect cards in the game because <laughs> they're they're pretty loaded on the double aspect side. Uh, I really like Bendu, um, but this saw if if you put it in the right situation, you know, forcing your opponent to continue to do two damage to their base every time they want to play an event, even if it's even if it's to remove saw, you know, even if it's, if it's for a takedown on Saw Guerrera, to have to do that damage to the base, you're already getting value. Uh, and you're already advancing your win condition. And two damage adds up pretty quick, especially against some of these 25 health bases that are being played, like Tarkin Town or Energy Conversion Lab. So Saw Guerrera, I think, has some potential. I don't necessarily know how many double aggression decks are going to be super popular. I know Sabine's floating around out there uh, right now, and then and maybe we'll see something with the Grand Inquisitor. Uh, but Saw Guerrera can definitely go uh, right into a Sabine aggression deck and and threaten a lot of damage if you're not careful. So, I like Saw a lot. Uh, I think I like this next one better. This is the Ghost. A 6-cost space unit. Again, staying with the Spectre curve here. 
We now have a unit at every cost from one to six, which is just tremendous uh, flavor and and design, in my opinion. This is a six cost of Vigilance Heroism space unit. You're getting a 5-5 five, five Rebel transport vehicle specter. It is shielded. And when played and on attack, you may give a shield token to another specter unit. This is an uncommon. Now, this goes in Hera for sure. Where do you put Hera's power level now that we have all the specter cards that we are going to get in set one? I still probably don't put it that high. Okay. Um, and I don't think the ghost is a card that's going to like put her over the top, you know? Um, I think this card is fine. I, I don't, I don't see it as being like a game breaking option for the specter archetype. So yeah, I would say Hera is probably like still solidly middle to bottom of the pack somewhere in there. I don't know that I would go bottom and here's why I think the ghost rounds out the specter package pretty well you need to get to six anyway to get Hera out Hera synergizes super well with the ghost because if you deploy Hera presumably your opponent's going to have a tough time dealing six to Hera right away assuming you're protecting your your board state a little bit um so if you deploy Hera then the ghost can come out shielded then shield Hera or another one of your specter units then Hera can attack with um you know, with impunity and give an experience back to the ghost or give it again to another Spectre unit that's in play. I think there's a, a nice combo that works with Hera and Ghost to where they can just sort of protect each other or the ghost can protect your Kanan, for example, or protect Zeb so that Zeb can deal extra damage after he, you know, attacks and defeats a unit. Um, over the top is definitely not a word I would use either. I agree with you on that front. But I think now that we've seen the full scope of Spectres, there's a there's definitely an argument to be made for Hera to be a mid-tier deck with what the Ghost brings to the table along with the strengths of an Ezra and a Kanan and a Sabine, potentially. Um, I don't know. I think I think the Spectre deck is is one that you have to at least be aware of, right? And I think that that makes it cool because people want to play thematic things when it comes to Star Wars. And one of the best theme examples we have right now in set one is Spectres. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I'm going to want to try it. <laughs> but I, I think, yeah, I mid-tier, I think, is probably the ceiling, at least for right now. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, the Ghost, I think if, if you can get two shields out of it, you're feeling pretty good. Um, but you know, it's 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 got to stay, and becoming in shielded helps. I just think you know, six is a lot, and yes, you're getting there anyway in a Hera deck. But it's it's definitely um, it's definitely one of those cards for me that's just kind of like, yep, that's that's a fine option, but it's not gonna like do anything crazy overpowering. Uh, I have to look this up because I think there's only one Specter aside from Hera that's rare. And yeah, I was right. It's Chopper of all the ones. Chopper's the only rare. I think Chopper's awesome. <laughs> Chopper is Chopper's... Chopper's not bad. Chopper's not bad. But <laughs> Sabine, Ezra, Hera, not Hera. Sabine, Ezra, Kanan, 
Zeb, Ghost, all uncommon. That makes this a super accessible deck, um, provided you're not including a ton of legendaries in your full build. I love that about, you know... It, it, yeah, I know, that's, that's awesome, for yeah, sure. Yeah, keeping with and, the theme. And, and yeah. Uh, all right, so we'll move on from the Ghost. Again, I think we're a little bit off on our power levels here, but that's okay, that's what we're here for. Uh, Bail Organa, speaking of rares... Uh, here, here's another one drop for you, Corwin. This is a one cost ground unit in command heroism. You're getting a one, two rebel official that has an action. You exhaust bail to give an experience token to another friendly unit. So basically it's heroisms. We have Tarkin at home, um, but there's no rebel restriction. It's just another friendly unit, which is really good. Uh, bail Organa. Alliance Dispatcher. What's the what's the power level there? What's the interaction there? What do you what would you rather have, or would you rather have both? Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a good point because I think they they probably end up occupying the same spot. So you're going to have to choose between the extra resource and the experience token. I'm leaning resource. I think Dispatcher feels a little bit better to me. I do like though that um, you know the action is free. Um, that that definitely gives him a leg up on you know a Tarkin for a similar effect. So I feel like, um, yeah, I just don't see I just don't see him necessarily taking up the same or or being being alongside you know some of the other one cost options like the Dispatcher. So it's just going to depend on what your deck's trying to do. Yeah, and and I think at Dispatcher specifically, when you play it in something like a Luke Green. Being able to shield the dispatcher and then you're on you're above curve for the rest of your plays while the dispatcher is alive, so that you can continue to shield things. So you're playing Yoda for two and having room to shield it. You're playing Kanan for three and then having room to shield it. Uh, you know, I think that that you know it makes it awesome in that deck. And I I don't know that you get the same punch with a shielded bail than what you get with a shielded uh, alliance dispatcher, but you know, dropping this sort of mid, you know, mid game and, and buffing some of your bigger units so that they stick around longer is, you know, for one is, it's definitely not something I'd be mad at. Uh, I just, again, I don't know that it, I don't know that it, it takes the spot of what dispatcher's trying to do. Uh, but the art is great. So there's that. It's one of the, one of the better <laughs> sort of people arcs that we have, which I like. Um, yeah, I mean, the experience token just isn't worth the same as a resource or a shield. Right. So, right. I think you're just you're feeling better about dispatcher, but again, deck it's context dependent. Sure, sure. And if you need an official for something, you know, later down the line, then maybe this is worth it. Uh, all right. So now we come to the final spread of cards that was revealed during uh, the Star Wars Unlimited Community Celebration event. You know, these were all revealed by people opening packs at the event. Uh, there were a ton of packs that were opened. Uh, we got to we got to see the rest of the cards. Uh, come out, which is great. And I want to give a special shout out not only to the folks at the Star Wars Unlimited website, but also to Nerd Parker, who runs SwoDB, S-W-U-D-B, uh, for getting all of these loaded onto both databases same day. Uh, that uh, is a Herculean achievement, and it's wild, and it's very much appreciated within the community to be able to let us just brew away for the next couple weeks uh, before the set drops. So. Uh, shout out to all the people working on both websites. Uh, shout out Nerd Parker. Um, awesome. We we love to we love to 
to have you guys in our corner. Uh, let's talk about the Corellian Freighter. This is a this is one of several neutral cards that were uh, that were revealed over the weekend, and uh, none of them are going to be particularly good. But the Corellian Freighter is a five cost space unit that is a four four Sentinel. It's a common, and that's all it's got going for it. It's a vehicle. It's a transport. It's probably not going in your deck. Yep. Next. <laughs> Next. <laughs> Uh, but hey, listen, I will say if you need a Sentinel in space in limited formats, this is one to consider. Uh, let's okay. continue with the Frontier ATRT, four cost ground unit. Now, this might be actually the best neutral card that we saw over the weekend. Uh, it may be with, you know, a, maybe next to Confiscate, the best neutral card in the set, in set one. So we'll see. Frontier ATRT, four cost for a three, five, Vehicle Walker. While you control another vehicle unit, this unit gains Ambush. So how often you get that Ambush ability? Probably not a ton unless you've got a space unit. Um, there aren't a ton of like low-cost uh, ground vehicles that I can that I can recall. But, you know, 4 for a 3-5 is not horrible. Uh, it's not amazing. But, you know, it's I think this is probably better than the Volunteer Soldier. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, okay, sure. I'll give you that. <laughs> um, but certainly not a not a great card by any means. So another one we can probably just fly through. Well, then we'll fly through it. All right, let's talk about restock. Uh, we love some anti-mill tech around here. Uh, if mill ever becomes a thing, which I hope it doesn't, but it probably will at some point. Uh, restock is a one-cost event without an aspect. Uh, it allows you to choose up to four cards in a discard pile. Put them on the bottom of their owner's deck in a random order. This is one that could turn into like a big brain card down the road where, you know, if, if your opponent is constantly pulling useful things out of their uh, discard pile, you can prevent them from doing that. Again, you can also prevent yourself from being milled. Um, if you If you have cards that shuffle your deck, um, you know, you could potentially put that in, uh, you could put this into, you know, bring back some stuff that, that, uh, that you need and then go searching for it, shuffle your deck. And maybe it's up, you know, up towards the top again. Uh, this could weirdly be decent in, you know, in a, in a format that we're going to talk about here in a bit in multiplayer. Um, but you know, I don't see this seeing a ton of play right off the bat. Yeah, this this is screaming sideboard to me. In case there is a a time down the line when there are shenanigans being pulled, or yeah, like you said, um, if mill becomes real at some point, you're gonna want to keep cards in the deck to prevent taking that extra base damage. So, mm -hmm. I think for now it's it's binder fodder, possibly sideboard down the line. Yeah, I I think I would agree with that. Uh, and then there's the underworld thug, which is just a two for a two three. Um, doesn't have any other abilities than the, the, besides that. Uh, I think we've got our share of two cost two threes or better that actually have abilities. So, uh, this one's not making it anytime soon. Nope. So, all right. So that's, that's the extent of the neutral cards. We'll, we'll talk about, we'll talk about some, some other ones here, uh, that may tickle the fancy a little bit, starting with one I really like, actually, this is U-Wing Reinforcement. It is a seven cost command heroism uh, supply event. 
Uh, it is a rare. And Ewing Reinforcement allows you to search the top 10 cards of your deck for up to three units with combined costs seven or less and play each of them for free. Put the other cards on the bottom of your deck in a random order. This feels like it's worth seven. I mean, we, we saw it. Ha uh, I had no choice last week. That one didn't feel like it was worth seven. This I would pay seven for. Corwin, where do you land? Yep, I completely agree. This uh, this looks like a really good card to me. I think being able to, I mean, you're you're going to be paying seven anyway. But if you can pay seven to get two or three units down on the board instead of one, I mean, I I kind of like that. Um, and it gives you some flexibility. Granted, they have to be in the top ten cards of the deck, but we already have seen how good Vader's ability is basically doing the same thing. And now you you give rebels and specifically green rebels that have a lot of you know cheap options they can turn to, um, you know, to bring out with this card. I I like it a lot. I think this is something I'm gonna definitely consider, even at its its high price point. Well, and also not just low cost units, right? Like, yeah, it feels great to bring out, you know, uh, uh, let's just say uh, an echo based defender, a battlefield marine, and an A wing. Like that's one of the dreams with this, right? Because you've got you're paying seven, you're getting seven costs worth of units, you're getting three units. It's awesome, but in something like a Luke Green, why not yeah. just pay seven to go get Luke if you don't have it in your in your hand? Like you're gonna pay yeah. seven anyway when you draw Luke. This allows you to go find it and and play it in. Yeah, that know. feels that feels worse to me just because you're like you're paying the seven anyway. Like. It's it's almost like the U wing reinforcement is an extra Luke, which I guess is fine mm -hmm. if like you need Luke in your deck that badly. But I think the 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 for me the appeal of this card is being able to get two or three units on the board in one action, which is something that you just really can't do with very many cards in the game. I definitely agree that that's the dream, but I I, I think you also need Luke in your deck that badly to go get it when something's been defeated, and then give something minus six minus six. You know, so if 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 I'm paying seven to go find a Luke that I would have played if I had it in my hand, then I don't really see an issue with that either. Which which speaks... I'm not disagreeing with that at all. Right. I think I think it's still a very strong play, but like you also don't need like this card can still go into Leia or Cassian Green mm -hmm. or some deck like that mm -hmm. that's still trying to go a little bit wider. And it would give you a reason to keep resourcing up to seven, mm -hmm. even after your you know your leader comes out, because I think it can be that strong and potentially game changing depending on what you're bringing out. Totally, totally. I don't know that this necessarily makes it into Sabine Green, uh, because if you're it, you're probably not Ooh. going all the way to seven in that one. But those other decks you mentioned, and then Luke, you know, absolutely. So very interested interested to see where this card ends up, um, because I, I think I like it a lot. I also like Bib Fortuna quite a bit. Uh, Bib yes, Fortuna, yes. two-cost ground unit, cunning villainy. You're getting a 1-3 Underworld Twi'lek that is shielded and has an action. You can exhaust it to play an event from your hand. It costs one resource less. This is an uncommon, and for cunning, which loves events, to get this round one, play it shielded, be able to Play events for one cheaper? Heck yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's in the exact right aspect that it needs to be in, which is Cunning Villainy. And 
the shielded i mean for somebody like bib feels kind of random but like really does add to the it really does add to the the value of the card mm-hmm. um i think bib is out of the these final reveals we're, we're speaking about i think bib is my favorite one wow your He's favorite one really 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 strong really strong opening option and Obviously, there's synergy with Java because Java is going to go help you find your tricks, mm-hmm. and then you can play play them for cheaper. Like it's just really like this card. Really, really like this card for for cunning villainy. Yeah, you can play tricks for two cheaper with Bib. Like that's yep. wild. And well, Bib and Java have Crazy. to be both in the in the arena. And we're going to see another trick card coming up that I really like too. Oh, it's so it's incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I could see a world in which you know Bib and Java make a make for a really spicy sort of event package uh that you have and then you know i i get the shielded from a sense because like you always sort of picture bib as like this cowering individual and you know trying to deflect blame and deflect attention away from himself you know hiding behind java or whatever so i i, I believe that a little bit you know he, he's he's not trying he, it's not like it's not like he's <laughs> a droidica that has a shield around him you know he's shielding himself from blame let's put it that way uh so i, I can get fair. on that yeah uh, Bib Bib feels great. I, I'm I'm excited to see if Bib can make it into one of my Thrawn decks uh, moving forward because I I wouldn't be mm-hmm. upset at all at playing this round one and you know that extra resource that I save can be used with Thrawn's ability. So there you go. Oh, there you go. And your opponent's like, oh, because he's shielded, you have to basically hit him twice. Mm-hmm. That's gonna feel real bad for <laughs> a card like Bib. Yeah. I, I yeah, it's a really good card. Yeah. Uh, all right, so let's talk about Disarm. Disarm is a one-cost cunning tactic event. Uh, it is a common, and it simply says, give an enemy unit minus four, minus zero for this phase. So here we have uh, Jetta City on Jetta a City. on a stick, right? Yep. Uh, how useful do we think Disarm will be? I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it's only a one-cost, but it just feels like... I mean, event-wise, you can just do so much better in yellow. Um, I mean, for one more, you can exhaust a unit for two rounds. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I just, I, I don't know that that disarm quite keeps up. But I do think that for the one cost, giving a minus four is is that that packs a punch. It does. It does. I think this is going to be really valuable as a, a potential sideboard card if you're dealing with a deck that has a lot of sentinel in it. Um, because if you're mm-hmm. having to run yourself up against Sentinels, giving the minus four generally mm-hmm. will, you know, protect your units from harm enough that you you can keep them around while still getting rid of the Sentinel, uh, and they're not they're not getting the the trade value that they're looking for um, by having the Sentinel there. I mean, you know, how many Sentinels do we have that that have more than four uh, power? I mean, not a ton, mm-hmm. right? You know, even Obi Wan has four. Uh, I think Bendu has four, um, you know, cell block guard, echo based defender, four, uh, three and four. Like, I, I think that I think that if you're if you're worried about having to consistently run up against units, um, there's a world in which this is a really good sideboard card. And you know, maybe maybe this is another supplement to a Jin Urso deck, right? So that you're you're even further, you know, uh, lowering your opponent's uh, attack that you know, and and trading into them that way. Yeah, yeah, that could be an interesting application for sure. 
I just uh, think I want other yellow events before this one. Oh, but I, I, yeah. I agree, it could be it could be solid in in the right situations. Unquestionably, that there are better yellow events than this. That's for sure. I don't know if you can say like the same one. about Sneak Attack. Uh, there, yeah. there are not a ton of better events than Sneak Attack. Uh, this is a two-cost cunning trick event. Uh, it's a rare. Uh, the artwork is fantastic. Um, and Sneak Attack says play a unit from your hand. It costs three less and enters play ready. At the start of the regroup phase, defeat it. Whoa. <laughs> This one, uh, this one has some spice. So you can play it. You can search it and play it for one with Jabba. You can search it and play it for zero with Jabba and Bib. Um, or you can play it for two and play, you know, play a three cost unit for free that gets to attack right away. Uh, yes, you have to defeat it. I think that's probably a pretty valuable trade off, all things considered. Um, but Corwin, this card seems good. Seems real good. I mean, basically, like you're getting because of the three, the three cost discount that the card gives you. You're essentially getting one free resource out of it, and then, um, you, you know, you, you the the unit enters play ready, which is like we we see how impactful that can be with something like the Falcon, mm-hmm. right? So, um. I think there's just there's so much that this card packs in, and even if you are defeating the unit, um, it, it still is going to do something. There, there's there's some work that's going to be done there, even if it is to draw out opponent's removal. Uh, so I just think, you know, this is a card that really stands out to me as being one of the better events in the game so far. Um, just a lot of utility packed in here. Do you have this as an early play? Or a later play because I have it as an anytime play. <laughs> you have it as an anytime play, and that's and that I think is the interesting part to me because sneak attack on the surface seems really good. I, I'll agree with that, but my hang up with sneak attack is that it costs you two cards from your hand and you know an indeterminate amount of resources. It might be no more than two, or it might be more than that, but it costs you two cards from your hand, and you don't get anything on the board after that round like you know so if you if you let's say you use this um you know round one you know the one of there are some great when defeated effects out there but probably none better than super laser technician right so let's say you use this to play super laser technician round one and you trade with something uh you get that extra resource that's great uh but even if it's not a super laser technician let's say it's a battlefield marine and you you get you know three damage into base, awesome. You've done it, but now you've spent two cards from your hand, have not developed your board at all, and your opponent has card advantage on you. I wonder if maybe this is better as a finisher than as a starter, for any other thing that's not advancing your board like a super laser tech. What do you, where do you land on that sort of puzzle? I, I would agree. It's definitely better late. Yeah. It's it's definitely better mid to late than it is early. Because it's not it shouldn't be your first play. Mm-hmm. That just that just isn't, you know, so maybe I maybe I can modify my statement a little bit. But I think I agree that it's it's something you're gonna want to see late. But I do think that there are 
points in the early game where this can really kind of turn things the way that you need them to turn. Mm -hmm. And so I don't have an issue necessarily with this coming in, you know, round two, round three, sneaking out a four or five cost unit early and letting it do its thing. Um, it's going to feel pretty good. Yeah. So, yeah. So aside from it being a first round play, I think any other time there's going to be real strong uses for it. Yeah, and if you have a card that has both a when played and an on attack uh, ability, yes. you know, imagine playing this to get a, a discount on a reinforcement walker, um, where mm -hmm. you can heal six damage from your base before it is defeated at the end of the phase mm -hmm. and attack for six. Like that, I think is worth it. But you're going to take a while to get there. So, I, I if you're running it in green, this is going to feel real nasty with. Uh with ECL. <laughs> um, um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're, you, I mean, you can't, you can't combo them. Right. But having yeah. this as well as energy conversion labs ambush just means that mm -hmm. you're going to be getting a bunch of attacks off, you know, without your opponent necessarily being able to deal with it uh, or forcing mm -hmm. them to deal with it once you play with sneak attack. So I, I do yeah. still think this is a very good card. I, I just, I worry about the card advantage loss with it, and that's why I'm I'm in a little bit more of a wait and see approach. Uh, so we'll Fair enough. so we'll see. Uh, Swoop Racer, <laughs> three cost cunning ground unit, four three, no text. It's a fringe unit, and that's what it is. Uh, for three cost four three, you know you can get uh, an echo based defender. Um, I I don't know. Like it's fine. Um, it'll be great and limited, and that's that's where I land on it. What about you? Yeah, no, no more to say here. I will say it looks really good in hyperspace. Uh, I saw a hyperspace version of this, um, and mm. you know the just the the crazy uh, you know elevation from a regular frame to a hyperspace frame. Mm -hmm. I mean it, it cannot be understated. And we'll we'll look at some hyperspaces here in uh in a bit, but because wow I have just wow. Just the digital images do not do them justice. Uh but we'll move on. Let's talk about bombing run. Bombing run is an interesting one. Bombing run is a five cost aggression event. It's a tactic. It's a rare and bombing run uh has you choose an arena, ground your space deal three damage to each unit in that arena. Uh, I kind of like this one. Corwin, where do you land? Hmm. Um, not so much for me. So tell me why. What do you like about it? So the one prohibitive thing about this for me is that it, it, it at five, you're probably, you know, you're probably getting a, a pretty decent unit uh, in, in place of, you know, this this bombing run. Or you're, you're you know, you're, you're playing a, 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 a takedown and using a resource on your leader ability or something like that. But bombing run is going to be really effective coincidentally against something like an aggro deck, right? It's an aggro card and it works probably pretty well against an aggro deck because you're going to have, like, if you think about, if you think about the space arena for like a Sabine or a Leia deck, right? You're going to have uh, Red 3 in there. You're going to have A-Wings. You're going to have Wing Leader. Um, all of those just get absolutely wrecked by one bombing run. You know, look at the other side of that. If you have a Sabine, if you have 
a battlefield marine, if you have an echo base defender, um, you know, if you have a a, a, a benthic two tubes, that's all getting three damage dealt to it and get wiped off the board, right? So finding a, a space to play this, uh, it might be tricky to a point where you can maximize three damage to multiple units and remove those units. But when it goes off, it's going to go off like gangbusters. And and that, I think, is is the most intriguing part of this, is, is you know, is this a, a more direct counter to some of the units that like to swarm in space? Or, you know, if you if you are pairing this with, like, you know, pairing this with, like, uh, overwhelming barrage and back-to-back -back rounds. You know, you play a bombing run, you know, and, and soften up the arenas, and then your over, your overwhelming barrage just makes this is that much more potent, you know, the next round. I, I, I don't know. Um, I have not had time to sit there and, and just brew away with all these new cards, but I, I think this one could have some potential. I think I would just like it better if it said deal three damage to each of your opponent's units in that arena. Um, but the fact that it's everybody makes it a lot trickier to to use. And and so I just don't see myself getting there with this card. Even if I'm even if I'm doing, you know, six damage and none back to myself, I still don't think that gives me enough value at five. So so, so yeah. So you need to do it. You need to you, you need to hit three units with this and, and it would make you happy. I think it has to be three units minimum to get to feel good about playing the card. Yeah. Yeah, and, and yeah, and I and and I I can see that, right? Like you never want to damage your own units, but if you're behind, you know this is a way this is a way for you to to not be as behind anymore, potentially. Potentially. <laughs> yeah. So it'll it I I agree that it will be tricky. I think I think you've you've sort of convinced me on that one, but I can't I can't imagine a card that looks this good ends up being bad. Um. So there's that. <laughs> but maybe that's just me. Uh. All right. Uh. Let's talk about forced surrender. This is a six-cost aggression event. It's a plan. It's an uncommon. And it says, draw two cards. Each opponent whose base you've damaged this phase discards two cards from their hand. Uh, already multiplayer vibes. Uh, and we'll get to that in a bit. But if we're talking about construction, constructed... Wow, I can, I can speak, apparently. Uh, are you putting this... Anywhere near like a, a a red deck right now? Like what red deck goes up to six just to have this? Hmm. Yeah, it's I, I think it's a little bit hard to justify it at six. That being said, I still like the card. Mm -hmm. I think um I think the discard two at that stage of the game is actually quite interesting because just thinking about like natural draw curves by the time you get to well, I guess it would be what turn five. Mm -hmm. So, what your your opponent's going to be down to like three cards in hand. Mm -hmm. So, taking two of those options away feels pretty strong at that point, and then giving yourself two back to kind of fill up your hand. So, I, I actually don't hate the card in general. I just think it's going to be a little tough to swallow at its price point because yeah. it's all it's really doing is messing with hand dynamics and not actually advancing your board state much. Yeah, and and I think that like right now like again, I, I don't know how many how many red decks are going up to 6 and not playing a unit at 6. So mm -hmm. so, you know, sure it it's it can be very disruptive in the right situation. You know, and and 
the fact that you draw two cards because of it is is also very helpful. Um, but I I just I don't know that I I'll mean, be I don't, slotting I just this. Don't know if, like 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 black one also costs six, right? Mm -hmm. So and and gives you a similar effect. Doesn't discard from your opponent, but at least you're getting a unit for those six resources. I mean, Cassian needs to get to six, right? So I, I feel like sure. this, that's probably the deck it goes in if it goes in anything. Sure. But otherwise, yeah, it's just, I like the card. I just, I'm, I'm going to have a tough time getting to it over a unit at that price point. Right, like I'm, pl I'm playing Ruthless Raider before I play this. But hmm. I also am partial to Ruthless Raider, so maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm missing something. Am, am I missing something on Force Surrender? Let us know in the comments below. Um, because it's very, it's very possible. These are all brand new cards and, and I'm happy to, to eat my words later on. Uh, we <laughs> force lightning, man, force lightning is here. Uh, this is, this card is wild. This is a legendary one cost, uh, aggression villainy event. It is a force event and it's a doozy. Choose a unit. It loses all abilities for this phase. Then, if you control a force unit, pay any number of resources and deal two damage to the chosen unit for each resource paid this way. So, for example, if you pay two additional resources, you're doing four damage for three. If you pay three additional resources, you're doing six damage for four, in addition to making the ability disappear uh this card i think is awesome uh, i'm going to want three copies and it's going to be difficult to come by because it's a legendary but i'm going to want it anyway the art is really cool yeah i'm 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 in on force lightning i think i think i'm probably being biased because of how cool it is and the fact that it's a villainy event but i, I really like force lightning yeah i think it's fine um he thinks it's fine I think it's fine. I think, you know, it's nice. It's nice to have the reach effect there. So I do like the fact that the two damage isn't really capped except for how many resources you have. Mm -hmm. So that that part of it definitely appeals to me. Um, but I think that it loses all abilities for this phase. Maybe, maybe that by itself is enough to justify, like maybe that's enough value just for one. Mm -hmm. um depending on what unit you're targeting that that part of it could be interesting as well but the the damage curve like one resource for two damage it's fine like i don't think it's phenomenal i don't think it's bad it's just like pretty much where it should be so so that's why i think the card is just it's like okay yeah this this makes sense i think the this design makes sense and it doesn't feel to me anyway until until you use it against me kevin and wipe something out <laughs> uh it doesn't feel op and it doesn't feel um it doesn't feel like you know binder trash either i i feel it you know it, it it's it's gonna live squarely in the middle of like being a decent option that's 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 where i see it and certainly palpatine um you know he could he could make some use out of this with uh with his unit card you know, if you're if you're playing in red anyway, um, you can make some use out of this. Yeah, I mean, look, paying paying two resources to 
just damage something and and remove its its ability uh and then you know taking control of it afterwards might not be might not be too bad um i do find it ironic that you know this can one shot palpatine because there's no cap <laughs> right so if you pay what six six resources when you play uh, five additional when you when you play this uh you're you're doing 10 damage and you're taking out palpatine um and you're going to have conceivably six resources when your opponent has eight unless they've way outramped you which is possible uh in green but uh, i like that point a lot because we've seen this with force throw already like mm -hmm. we like we at least i liked force throw as a card because of that same upside factor um and that just costs you a card out of your hand instead of resources on the board but i think i think these force these one cost force power cards being able to as you say one shot like really big powerful units including leaders mm -hmm. is this doesn't say non leader either right it does not super interesting like super interesting way to potentially you know balance things um and get you back in the game so for i do like the card for that reason they weren't kidding when they said that force is one of the strongest traits in the game because you know mm -hmm. we're we're being we're able to do stuff like this uh, uh so we'll move on there are five other cards to to take a look at um that were revealed over the weekend uh speaking of things that you can get for six uh the gorilla attack pod is actually kind of sick uh this is a six cost aggression heroism ground unit i keep wanting to say that red is command because it used to be in star wars destiny and oh, yes. clearly i still haven't gotten past that uh gorilla attack pod six cost aggression heroism ground unit you're getting a four six rebel vehicle walker um so uh buffed by wedge so there you go uh, it has grit and the best part of it aside from the fact that it's a common is when played if a base has 15 or more damage on it ready this unit now in aggro getting 15 damage on your opponent's base is not that difficult uh it's the it's the last 10 or 15 uh that trip you up sometimes but we were talking about why a red deck would want to go to six this is why uh, the gorilla attack pod is awesome um and i think it's it's going to be uh, a really good card at common uh to be able to slot right into uh, a rebel deck that's trying to get to six and and hit base and attack things so i'm in i'm in on gorilla attack pod. yeah I, I think i think it's good i i feel like i'm probably a little less high on it than you are mm -hmm. i think you you really have to get it down at for its one plate effects to feel really good about it totally otherwise it just being a six for a four six with grit is like def it's probably below below curve um but if it's ready that's that's quite good uh and especially because it's a rebel if you're able to combo with leia's ability um that can feel really good so, or or if you play it with wedge in, in a leia deck and you and now it's a yeah. five seven with ambush yes although i'm not sure that this card is enough to make me want to put wedge in in a deck right now <laughs> but well, fair point i mean there are a lot of there are a lot of uh heroic vehicles that bad you, vehicles <laughs> bad bad vehicles is a strong besides word. the falcon besides the falcon but then you know you're not running lay anyway so uh that's true that's true i bad vehicles wow that's that's what i mean you got a wings man you got a wings you got uh restored arcs potentially if you're running blue you know you've got the uh rogue squadron skirmish and eh, okay let's it's, it's, it's 
Yeah. Tail off there. You're stretching. Uh, you're stretching. Red three. Red three. We talked about red three earlier. Um, you know, if you're if you're pairing wedge with a wing, red three, this wing leader, bright hope, you're good. You're solid. That feels like a totally. That feels like a totally different deck. That's not. I mean, yes, it's it's a fair argument. Um, maybe I shouldn't be so dismissive of my my hero vehicles, but um, yeah, it feels like a totally different deck at that point. Probably because um, you're probably also going to want to run the really bad snow speeders too. So no, well, not not probably not snow the five cost snow speeder. Maybe the six cost, but I think again, there's a world in which Gorilla Attack Pod just takes the place of that snow speeder. So. We'll it's see. definitely better than that smoke speeder. Right. I'll give you that. Right. So we'll see. We'll see what happens there. Uh, smoke and Cinders. Five cost uh, aggression event. It's a disaster. Whatever that means. It's a rare. And each player discards all but two cards of their choice from their hand. Uh, there's a reason why this is a disaster. Uh, if I pull this as my rare, it's going to be a disaster. Uh, I don't. Yeah, it's not gonna feel great. I don't like smoke and cinders. I don't at all. And also, what a morbid shot! For those of you who are just listening and not watching, the art is literally Luke staring at the burning remains of Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru's home. Like what? What are we doing? <laughs> yep, um, I'm with you. No thanks to this one. With my with my luck, I'm gonna get a full play set of smoke and cinders right off the bat, and then be like, yes. "All right, well, this will this will be the last card chosen in draft. This will hang out in the binder for a while, so you know, off we go." But uh, all right, let's continue with another rare that I think is a little bit better. This is Electro Staff. This is a two cost vigilance upgrade. Uh, you're getting plus two plus two with this item weapon. You can attach it to a non vehicle unit. And while attached unit is defending, the attacker gets minus one, minus zero. Uh, I could see this being being pretty cool. You know, two two costs for a plus two plus two is right on curve, and then adding some extra survivability on top of that with any attackers getting, you know, minus one uh, attack. You know, you put this on a sentinel, maybe it's trading more favorably. Um, you know, do you do you run this over entrenched? maybe you know it does it doesn't have the same drawbacks as entrenched um but entrenched is obviously plus three plus three um so there's that you know you definitely don't run this over jedi lightsaber um so so there's there's that part of it and then if if you're if you're valuing jedi lightsaber and entrenched more than you're valuing electro staff you know is there room for it in a blue deck am i just making all your points at this point kind of yeah <laughs> i just think there are too many other blue upgrades that feel better at two than this one. And that's not to say it's a bad card. I think it's, I think, right. like you said, it's on curve. Right. It, it feels very fair. Um, but I think, yeah, I think Entrenched, I think that um, I Lightsaber, even though it's three. I think Luke's Saber, even, even if it's not going on Luke, might be slightly better with its three attack. Yeah. So um, this is probably a pass for me in most formats beyond... Um, or in constructed, it's a it's probably a pass for me. Yeah, I think I'm taking this over Luke Saber again because the added HP and technically the the second amount of added HP with the defending ability uh, is there. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely not taking it over Jedi lightsaber. So let's let's write that off a little bit. Um, all right, then we got to talk about Gideon Hask. 
Gideon Hask is awesome. Uh, the art is great. The card is great. It's a rare. It's a five-cost Vigilance Villainy ground unit. Uh, you're getting a 5-5 five, five Imperial Trooper. And when an enemy unit is defeated, give an experience token to a friendly unit. I mean, this this dude... This dude's awesome. Yeah, I, I, you have to keep him around to get the value because five for a five five is you know not super amazing. But if you can park him behind a sentinel, or you know play him with the the blue base to give him a shield, or play him with moment of peace to give him a shield, or however you need to keep him around, you know any enemy unit being defeated, giving out experience tokens and making your 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 unit stronger. Plus having all the relevant traits with Imperial and Trooper. Sign me up. I need three of these stat. I need three of these way before I need three of Smoke and Cinders. I, sure, yes. Uh, better than, than Smoke and Cinders. Um, but I think I'm, I'm lower on this card than you are. Just because I think... It's, it's hard for me not to think of Callus in this situation. Mm-hmm. And granted, palace ability only triggers when he personally is defeating. I actually could be wrong about this, but when he is defeating a, a unique unit, um, he he triggers the draw. But I I just I have to I have to feel like at five I'd rather have have Callus than Gideon. Um, again, I just I'm just having I'm having a hard time. Um, valuing that experience token more than, you know, a, a drawing a card or um, some of the other effects that are available for for similar cost. So, I think I'm, I think I'm probably a little bit lower on Gideon than than most, just because I feel like he's not quite giving the same the same value. I'm gonna have to disagree with you on Callus because one. You were incorrect about his ability. It's whenever another unique unit is defeated, but it only happens once per phase or once per round. Mm -hmm. um, but also, yeah, you get the ambush, but that's a that's that's a five for a four four. So you know, I think I think you you sort of play around keeping Gideon around. Um, you know, with your with your whatever tricks you need to do to be able to to make the most of this um, and. I think I'm taking this over Callus, mostly because I, I don't know that I'm including Callus in any green decks right now. Um, that I at least that I'm building. So I, I, I think and, and maybe it's just maybe it's recency bias, right? Maybe it's the newness of Gideon Hask and and how cool it looks. Uh, but I I think that Callus is on the outs for me and, and Gideon's on the ins. I like him in Tarkin. Yeah. I think outside of that, you know, without any other kind of synergies there. He just feels okay-ish to find. Well, yeah, I guess we'll find out. This is this is challenge number two. Uh, the challenge number one last week was to make a deck where Guardian of the Wills was good, and now I have to make one where I'm not going to agree on every card. Gideon Hask um, is so good. I'm, I'm happy to be proven wrong. Yeah, you know, um, we'll see how we'll see, but yeah, I think I think you can do better for five. Fair. Well, well yeah, I guess we'll find out. Uh, what about what you can do for eight? Uh, <laughs> we finally have the long-awaited board wipe, and it is a doozy. It is Super Laser Blast, an eight-cost Vigilance Villainy event. 
It is a disaster and a tactic, and it's a legendary. And it literally just says defeat all units. All of them. Every single one. Um, I love this card. It's awesome. Uh, eight is a lot, but wiping a board is also something that is, you know, pretty powerful. So making it cost eight feels like it's, you know, it's probably, it's probably worthwhile. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I'm, I'm glad it exists. Uh Um, just, you know, even though it's not going to feel great to have it played against me, I'm glad it exists. Uh I think it's making things interesting from a, vigilance villainy perspective because we're seeing how that archetype really wants to control board state it's it's really wanting to keep the units on your opponent's side at bay um and there's some powerful effects that that those specific aspects can bring so i think it's interesting for that archetype i don't know that i see it seeing widespread play but it's definitely a card (laughs) And a card you have to be aware of. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, if you're getting if you're getting outraced at the end of the game, this is gonna feel really good. If you're defeating some of your own units just to stay alive, it's gonna feel less good. But the fact that we have it and the fact that it's villainy and the fact that it's the Death Star, uh, just makes me happy. So Yes. So there's Agreed. That. Uh before we get uh any further into the the other news of the weekend, let's take a look at some of the awesome variants that we got to see up close and personal this past weekend. If you're if you're just listening to us, please do yourself a favor, go check out all the stuff on either Discord or on the social medias. Uh, they've been they've been pretty much everywhere um because you know, as I said previously, digital images do not do these justice. So let's this Millennium Falcon hyperspace legendary here um looks incredible. Um, props to all the people who were taking photos this weekend and letting us see some of these, you know, and, and it's not just the, the hyperspace that you're getting in the space. You're getting just the extended art with something like this Luke Skywalker. I mean, adding that, those extra little bits on the border, Corwin is just, it's such a game changer to see that. It makes a huge difference. It makes a gigantic difference in the way the card looks. And yeah, they, I mean, they look awesome. Yeah. And, and, and you know, there was there was somebody who who pulled a, a hyperspace Sabine and you can see like the the Phoenix Squadron artwork on the wall that was covered up previously by the frame. So it's just it adds so much more. You know, it's not it's mm-hmm. an extension of the art, but it's also, you know, an extension of the the aesthetic, really. And and then you get into the hyperspace foils. Like, does this this makes you want to play Gideon more right here? Just looking oh, at this. There you go. Card. Yeah. If I pull this card, I'll play some Gideon. There you go. <laughs> yeah. The, the the foiling looks tremendous. The rainbow foiling uh looks really cool. And then again, having that in the hyperspace, you know, you see stuff like that, and then you see a force lightning, just lightning going off of the card. Oh man, like all in on these alternate frames and the alternate treatments, like it really seeing all that this weekend really has me excited to to chase stuff and it has my wallet shaking in its leather is what it it's what it is because uh i'm going to be uh, significantly poorer uh after uh after the 8th of march uh, i'll say that uh with full full confidence but yeah i'm really excited to get my hands on some of these cards um uh, i'm also yeah. excited to 
attempt, attempt to pull a showcase. And we've seen three showcase variants this week, one of which we mm-hmm. saw via the socials on uh, FFG, and two were actually pulled at the community event. So first we have Aiden. Aiden Versio, alternate art, full art frame. Um, this looks awesome. You know, I think that, that you know, if you if you take a look at this, this is, all of these are going to be the vertical versions, but the horizontal versions are, are, you know, even more extended to a degree because there's more real estate to play with. So you see more of Aiden's laser blasts and more of the forest around her uh, in the back. I mean, these showcases are such a home run, man. They look great. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, it's going to feel so good to pull one of these. It really it doesn't it, even matter which one it is. No, it, it doesn't matter at all. And there was such a there was such an uproar when the 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 two that were that were pulled on Saturday uh, happened. You know, you could hear them in the background of the stream. Uh, the first one that was pulled at the event was this incredible looking director Krennic. I, I, I have to get my hands on a director Krennic because the art is absolutely stunning. He's in his sort of signature pose on the, you know, with, with the, the Death Star, like, readout behind him. My goodness, man. I, this Krennic is gorgeous. How much do you need this card? Oh, I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know how much I need it because, like, I think I'm going to feel that way about all of them, right? Like, this one is, this one is so good, but then you, you look at this and you look at the Leia, which is incredible and has almost entirely different art style than any any of these showcases we've seen and then on top of all that you look at emperor palpatine and he's i mean this is almost like an anime like with the shading and he's sitting in his throne like oh my goodness the fact that the fact that both of the showcases that were pulled this past weekend were were villainy uh leaders i was just i was dying i love that's true i love seeing it so you know, it, we're we're still we're still a ways out from seeing all the all the showcases left to see. You know, we've only seen um, you know, the one the two heroism showcases with Chewbacca and Leia, and now we've seen Palpatine, Krennic, and Aiden. Uh, so, I, you know, I I I I'm shivering to think of what my my soul is going to do when I see the Thrawn showcase. Like, I think that's the one probably yeah. more than Krennic that is going to send me sort of over the edge and into um, my life savings at that point. Um, but yeah, if they look anything, if Palpatine looks anything like Krennic, anything at all, I'm, I'm, I'm like Scrooge McDuck into the, into the coins I'm diving in. Uh, <laughs> but they look tremendous and shout out to the folks who pulled the showcases and got to show those off. Um, that was Really awesome! Shout out to everybody who opened packs and was was so quick to get us all, all these all these cards. Uh, we're running low on time, but I, I'm I'd be remiss if we didn't mention the first thing that they talked about during the community celebration event, which of course is our multiplayer format. They're going to be doing a stream for the multiplayer format this coming week, but we got some insight into Twin Suns, and wow, is it different than what we expected? So Twin Suns. Right off the bat, is not a two versus two. It's not a team format, which a lot of people expected. Um, you know, I think there were some some feelings about that until people actually got to play it. Uh, and and every piece of feedback that I've seen coming out of the community celebration is that Twin Suns is awesome. 
Um, there's a lot of differences to originally, you know, your the your typical premiere or constructed format. First of all, every player has to have two leaders. Two leaders. Now they have to either be both heroism or both villainy, but you can choose any color combination that you want for your two leaders. So it potentially opens up an entire new aspect for you. Um, so instead of playing with two aspects, you could play with three. Um, or you could choose to do a double aspect and then still have one on top of that, which that to me is really, really cool uh, because now you can still play some of these really good double aspect cards in addition to a, you know another aspect that can help you out. Um, and then on top of that, you can only have one of every card in your deck. It's still a 50 card deck for now. It's going to go up to 80 after set four releases, but it's a 50 card deck, one of each card as opposed to the traditional three. So right there, Corwin, just massive changes to the format and ones that are going to make for really fun and spicy deck builds. And that's how it should be. You know, if it's going to be a multiplayer format, we should be able to do things that we can't do in the normal game. That's my view anyway. Sure. So I think I think having the multiple leaders, I think having the one of each card, a la Highlander format and Destiny, mm -hmm. um, both of those feel like like major wins. And uh, I yeah, sign me up. I'm I'm definitely going to be interested in exploring. And obviously, there are more more changes too. Um, but those, just in terms of deck construction, I think are really um, really compelling for for the format. Yeah, and I had I had the most success that I had at any tournament with the, with the Highlander and Destiny. So I so I, right. I'll uh, I'll have to dive into this one pretty good. But so again, not a team format; it's a free for all format. Uh, they didn't they weren't really specific about how many players, but I think it's optimized for three to four players. Um, and there's no passing in Twin Suns. You either have to take a legal action, or you have to choose an available counter. And I say an available counter because it's not just the initiative token, there are two other tokens that are in play with Twin Suns. So again, you can take the initiative, which passes all future uh, actions and allows you to go first the next round. Uh, if you have the initiative and you go first, play continues clockwise from you. But you can also choose to take the plan counter, which if you take the plan counter, you draw a card and then you put one card on the bottom of your deck. Could be the card you can just drew. It could be another card that's in your deck. But either way, you're drawing one and you're bottoming one. Or you could take the blast counter, which if you take the blast counter, you deal one damage to each opponent's base. So in a game of four players, you're dealing three damage, one to each base by taking the blast counter. So those things are really cool. I'm hoping we get official uh, tokens for plan and blast uh, to go along with our official initiative tokens. Uh, that would be pretty sweet. I'm excited to see how taking these counters and, and choosing how to do which one, um, you know, changes the game a little bit in the multiplayer format. But then we got to talk about how you win, right? So to trigger the end game, a player has to be fully defeated, their base health reduced to zero. When that happens, two things start. Uh, the person who defeated that player heals five health from their base. And then... Now the game is on a clock, right? So um, the game will end at the end of that current phase or round. And the player with the highest remaining health is declared the winner at the end of that phase. So it's not just 
oh, let's everybody gang up on this one person, you know, and get them down to zero and end the game because you may not have the highest health left uh, if you do that. And also the game won't go as long and, you know, the, your uh, other opponents might have different plans than you uh, in ulterior motives and stuff. So there's a lot of campaigning and politicking. They, they played a game on stream and it was chaotic, but in a good way. Um, so this is overall, I think this is a really interesting format and one that people are apparently having a ton of fun with. I mean, yeah, <laughs> it's all these different rules and, and uh, different ways to play. I mean, that's mix it up, mix it up as much as you can give, give the people a way to just be more creative mm -hmm. and let the game breathe a little bit more. Um, I'm, I'm all for it. I'm going to definitely want to get some multiplayer in. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We're definitely going to have to set up some multiplayer, um, some multiplayer stuff. It remains to be seen how much multiplayer will end up in some of the casual or competitive formats within star Wars unlimited. Um, you know, so we'll see, we'll see if that ends up playing a role in something like tournament points or something like the galactic championships or anything like that. Even if it's like side pod multiplayer games, that would be pretty cool. Um, cause I have, I have a feeling you get through those decently quickly. Um, so, uh, I'm excited to try it out. I'm excited to hear, uh, even more about it this week during the twin sons focus stream. Um, and that wasn't everything because at the very end of the day, despite all this crazy news about set one spark of rebellion, they decided to, to, to let us in on the secret of who the set two shadows of the galaxy starter leaders would be. Now, first of all, the fact that they're having starters for every set, I think is awesome. Uh, I think it's, again, it continues to foster the accessibility and the entry point. Um, and again, you know, having these special cards that you can only get from the two player starter sets, um, that's going to be really cool for collectability and things like that. But I, I'm, I, I couldn't even think about set two at that point, but it's important to note that the starter leaders for Shadows of the Galaxy uh, are Moff Gideon and the Mandalorian. So that, at some point, will be very, very exciting. Amazing. Yeah. And I guess I guess it, it kind of makes sense because if we're getting three sets a year, you know, pretty soon we're going to have to start, you know, by the summer, basically, we're going to be looking at Shadows of the Galaxy. So... Might as well get the spoiler train rolling. Um, but yeah, no, it's I, I think that's awesome to see. You know, we never got any Mandalorian stuff in Destiny. Yep. So to think we'll have it in this game and have it soon. I'm super excited about that. You know, Kevin, you know I'm behind on my Star Wars shows. Yeah. But I just I just finished. I just caught up on the Mandalorian um, recently and really enjoyed it. So I'll be excited to see those characters in the game. Yeah, and, and look, you know, they've got to get it started because... If you think about it, the game was announced last May, and it is now mm -hmm. February. So we've taken nine months to uh, fully reveal set one of Spark of Rebellion. It's like it's like Star Wars Unlimited was having a child, right? And it took nine months to get this full this full setup, right? But now, when the game releases in March, you're gonna have four months to reveal another full set of cards. So it's going to be fast and furious when it happens. They're not going to do it right away because they're going to be focused on 
set one and you know you know uh deck builds and things like that but it's, it's gonna it's gonna get here pretty quick uh so so i'm gonna i'm gonna have to uh kick it into into savings mode again once uh once we finish with march to to get back on the track for in in time for july because uh you know but that's that's so far away uh, i don't i don't again i can't even think about set two right now because i'm so excited to get my hands on spark of rebellion we're only we're less than 20 days away right and, you know by the time you're listening to this episode we might be two weeks away um so i've just i'm stoked to see that we have everything i was really thrilled to see the amount of care and attention that the designers and the dev team gave to everybody who went to the community event again for coverage of that event make sure you go check out all the creators that were there there's going to be a ton of content coming out over the next couple weeks uh, about all the nuances of that event and how cool it was i'm sure uh, to be a part of so go check that out and if you're here listening to us thank you thank you for making it this far thank you so much for continuing to support us um, despite the fact that that we didn't go we were super excited to talk about it we were super excited that it happened um, because it's just it's just such a boon for this game um, and and we're really thrilled to be a part of this community um, as we get ever ever closer to March 1st and playing some pre-releases. So Corwin. Inching our way there. We, Almost there. We're getting there, man. So uh, that's going to do it for us today. Thank you all for listening. Um, if you continue to enjoy our content, be sure to drop a like on the video. If you're new, please subscribe to our channel. That helps us out a lot. And comment your thoughts on the new cards down below and what you're most excited about now that we have the full spread of cards to build and tinker with in Spark of Rebellion for Star Wars Unlimited. So that's it for us. For my brother Corwin, I'm Kevin. Signing off.